This is the Post-Purchase Podcast here with a very, very special guest. We have Yana, the founder and CEO of YLT Translations. Yana, let's dig into your background a little bit and tell us how did you become the founder and CEO of YLT, YLT Translations and what you guys are up to. Sure. So um, I've started YLT about four years ago, uh, and this was this is my first business. And uh, if you ask me ten years ago if I thought I'll be a business owner one day, I thought there was absolutely no chance. I was um, I was in corporate mode, and I was working for this very very big e-commerce in Europe for about eight years. I was their COO, uh, and uh, I I have about like ten years experience in, in, within e-commerce. So um, I, my background is actually languages. So I'm a professional translator uh, turned like to e-commerce expert. So I kind of combined those two passions and this is how YLT is born. Uh, I decided to quit my job and I thought that I should do something on my own. Uh, so having uh, all this like vast knowledge in e-commerce being just kind of accumulating for the last 10 years. And this is also how I came across Amazon first, first time about eight years ago. Um, I saw that, you know, the results in the international markets uh, regarding their content and keywords are not great and people could do so much better. And this is why I decided to start a wild deep translation agency where we can help sellers expand to um, international marketplaces. We first started with e-com and then we niched down to Amazon only because of the demand. And uh, we are a one of a kind service that basically tailors the service to what sellers need, but recently, especially ever since COVID, we've started also working with bigger brands like um, Nestle, like uh, Mattel, National Geographic's Canon, just to name a few. Uh, so we have like tons of data and I'm always happy to share uh, the new strategies uh, and everything that we, uh, you know, got got our hands on to share with the world to see like what's, what's, uh, what's new, what's, what's happening, how to increase your sales, we do about 2,000 products every month. So there's like a bunch of data that we can share and mm -hmm. lots of testing that we've done. So we can basically tell people what is going to work on the international market and what's not going to work. All right. Amazing. So, Yana, what you do uh, fundamentally is you translate the listings and all the marketing from you know, whatever uh, original language that a listing was built in. And then as sellers expand to different countries and they need to um, nail the, the local language, you will make that translation for them so then they can expand. That's right. Yes, but it, I would just add that it's this is not a regular translation. So this is not a word by word translation. Uh, we do a lot of localization, which is very important. It means that you change the style and you want to, you know, kind of convey the, the same message which you have as a US brand to German audience. And the US style, which is like sales in fluffy, doesn't work well in Germany. So you have to localize that a lot. And also you have to do keyword research and then insert those keywords with the right strategy, which is different from you know marketplace to marketplace. But I'd say the most important thing is that you have to connect with the target audience. You want to connect with your consumers. In order to do so, you have to transcreate, as I like to say, like the content, which means you have to um, not only translate the content, but also localize it and uh, do a little bit of a copywriting. So uh, if you compare the source text and the you know and the end product, like the end uh, translation, those texts should not 
you know, be 100% the same as you would need to alter them so that your consumers can understand uh, what you are and what your brand is about and how your product works and, and so on. Yeah, that's amazing. So, Yana, what you're uh, noticing is that not only does the language need to change, but the style of the marketing yeah. needs to change as well. So, um, in our company, we work with a lot of Americans and a lot of Canadians, but we also work with a lot of um, people from the UK. And we'll have one marketing message that works really, really well in English in America. But then to resonate with someone who lives in Britain, they do not appreciate the same style of English. Exactly. So imagine the difference between language to language and um, culture to culture. So I 100% agree with you. Um, we do email marketing um, for Amazon sellers to help them create more sales to, to their existing customers. And what we notice is we can create a marketing message, but when they take it to other markets to use the same type of follow-up marketing, we see the exact same thing that you're talking about is you have to localize it. So I think that's a huge advantage that you guys have. So can you talk about some of that data that you're seeing out there right now, what are sellers really messing up on? Where's the opportunity? What are you seeing, Yana? So one of the first things that we notice, and this is, I mean, luckily, that's why we have a lot of work <laughs> because people still use Google Translate. People still use machine translations. Um, they say like, oh, well, Amazon did this for us. But what Amazon does is they do, do the post-added translation, which means that they just edit the machine translations. So it's not great. I mean, this is just yeah. like, you know, like you have Chinese sellers in the U.S. market. And when you read their listings, you're like, hmm, something is really off <laughs> if it's a good listing. And it's yeah. just terrible that it's just terrible so this is your listing in a foreign marketplace and don't let it sound like that so you know like google translate is great if you want to figure out how your machine like washing machine works but i'm sure like we've been in situations where you go let's say like you know canton fair in china we used to go there and then you if you don't have like a your a local uh, chinese uh, translator then you're 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 done like if you use google translate you're it doesn't get you anywhere or you, you can just go to mexico or yes. you know somewhere else where you don't speak the language and you just see how much google translate doesn't help you at all so like don't uh, you know don't apply the same strategy when like doing your content especially if you want to sell on the uh, international marketplace so what we've seen is that this is actually a great opportunity because from all of the analysis and all the data that have been uh that's been going through the ylt uh, what i've noticed is that if you have let's say 15 competitors in a highly competitive niche um, even though they're like making a lot of money, let's say this is a wet brush in, uh, in the German marketplace, Germany being as the biggest marketplace and the most um, interesting one after the US. Um, wet brush competitors are, yeah, they're, they're earning a lot of money, but only four of them have decent content and the rest of them are just terrible. No keywords. They might have had like, they might have like a decently written content, but without keywords, nobody's going to find that product. Mm -hmm. Right. So four competitors out of 15 in a highly competitive niche is literally nothing. And those four competitors, I'm saying they have decent content because even that can be improved. So if you come like with your product, you have like a lot of like great quality, like features brand is amazing. And, you know, just like really, really happy with your product and how it can help people resolve a problem or just great. You have a great, you know, like calm your hair in an amazing way. And you put it in words that connect with the German audience with 
the best keywords, I'm sure you can land like top three in that category content wise, if you're doing absolutely everything, of course, the right way, because Amazon is not like it would not only content would not land you like number one, but it will definitely help. So all these other brands and all these other highly competitive niches have um, the same situation. The best, um, this is the best product I found that has like the, the toughest competitors where you have four competitors with decent content. Um, other categories and other niches, they have far less competitors that know what they're doing on a content level. Because a lot of times, as you said, like US sellers and UK sellers, or just sellers that speak just like one language, they don't care a lot about the content on uh, on a foreign marketplace in a language they don't understand. Right. So this is a lot of uh, potential for you to get ahead of them on the content game. And this is why I see happen all the time because it's really, really um, crazy how much potential you have and how many uh, competitors are not paying attention to the content written in a foreign language just because they don't understand it. And they're doing an amazing job, let's say in the US market, they're like eight figure sellers, they're killing it, but then yes. they expand to Germany and they they just like, there's like some like rookie mistakes that they're doing. And then you're just like wondering, do they even have a, a legit business? And that's all because it's in a different language that they usually use uh, in everyday life. Um, and that's something that was really, I was like blown by that fact um, that highly competitive products and highly competitive niches don't have a lot of competitors that actually know what they're doing on the content plan and with the keywords, because keywords are the most important thing when it comes to content. And when it comes to like overall importance of your listing, I would say, of course, number one are going to be images, but number two are going to be keywords because with those keywords, Nobody will find um, your product. And then, you know, you just like, you spend a lot of money on a lot of things that nobody's going to see. And that's it. That's amazing. What you just said is so um, profitable and powerful. So if you think about like the typical native English speaker, somebody from the UK or somebody from uh, the United States, we're all spoiled because we have these built-in massive markets where, uh, you know, we can sell our products and create a pretty successful business. But it's just like what you said. If a Chinese seller creates a listing on Amazon and it looks like they use Google Translate, then we all kind of make fun of them underneath our breath saying, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Of course, we're going to win. He doesn't know how to connect with the audience. And we'll spend all this money on attending masterminds and figuring out the best copywriting (laughs) for English. But then when we take our products abroad and we go to Germany or we go to Japan or we go to um, you know, France, then we just assume just like you know, the rookie seller from China that our products are represented well, but they're not. And like you said, I think that there's a massive, massive opportunity to be the only person in Germany taking your product type seriously. So I think there's a massive opportunity, Yana. Um, anything else come to mind that you see as an opportunity for Amazon sellers right now? Um, yes, I would say that um, this is not like an opportunity, but this is more of a, like a good piece of advice. Um, what I've seen that, as I said, this, uh, this is, uh, is a value for both sellers and bigger brands and like beginner sellers and like basically just everyone. So nobody does due diligence the right way. Like people just, you know, like if you sell in the US and you're like, okay, where should I sell next? Oh, Mexico, let's do it. But like, if they ask you like, why they don't know, they're just like, well, I just heard about it. My, you know, in this mastermind, as you mentioned, is mastermind. Three of the sellers are making big money. Mexico, I should go there. 
but nobody does due diligence. Nobody says like, okay, let's check the sales, the competitors. I mean, even if you go to like brand analytics or if you go to like Seller Central, there is like this thing called, I think it's uh, the opportunity or like the demand for your product where you can actually see if there is a big demand for your product and how are their sales going. That alone, can you do like, you know, will show you, it's like a good uh, sign if you sh should go there or not. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't think about that because they think like, well, I have a winning product in this marketplace. I'm sure it's going to like, you know, kick ass like everywhere else. Yeah. But that can cost you a lot of money and a lot of time in, you know, it can really do a lot of harm, especially now, like, you know, during like the recession and like the hard times or whatever, you kind of want to, you know, like uh, save that money, use it wisely, not just going to go and expand without like doing any due diligence, which you can basically do on your own. So I would say that, you know, the, the number two mis mistake is that people just expand not knowing why they are doing that. And just, you know, just hearing about a marketplace doesn't make it be a good fit for your product. And not, of course, that's necessarily making your product the best selling one on that marketplace. So that's something that we see a lot. And that's just, you know, um, it, it just that doesn't resonate with me. But it's all about um, small things that people don't think about, like this, like Google Translate, like keywords. Also, another problem is that uh, sellers translate keywords to another language to just like, give a list uh, for, to like a Fiverr translator and they just translate those keywords and they just use them on a different marketplace. And what they don't think about is that those keywords are not necessarily translated keywords are not necessarily keywords at all. And let's say German or Japan or Mexican marketplace, they're just words and nobody's actually searching for the, these terms. What's really interesting and what everyone can understand is that, you know, let's say English, like in the US and the UK, that's English. We all understand each other. Like if you hear a British guy or an American, like they would understand each other, but there are a bunch of words that you use uh, differently. Or like just if we stay like within, within the US, in Pennsylvania, they say a book bag instead of like a, like a rucksack or something. You know, like even like in yeah. the US, you have like so many differences. But this um, reflects keywords a lot when talking about the UK and the US because we've recently had a seller and she was selling kids' diapers in the US, uh, kids' diapers and diaper bag. So she just copy pasted this listing and she started selling in the UK. And um, little does she know that the word diaper is actually used for adult diapers in the UK. <laughs> so she was being ranked for completely wrong product. Her sales are not doing great. And so she came to us. She was like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm, I'm doing exactly the same I'm doing like in the US. Yeah. And I'm not selling anything. And I'm just like, you know, wrong, like search terms and stuff like that. Can you, can you check this? So we do like a bunch of audits like these and, you know, very often, this is a situation where people would just like copy paste uh, from the US to UK just because it's English. And also, like keywords are different. You know, even if you're selling cell phone, like case, let's say like an iPhone case pink, which, you know, the same word is in the UK, the same word for it is in the, in the States. It doesn't mean that all consumers in the UK are using the, the are using this uh, the specifically same search term for this product as people are in the states. Maybe they're um, searching more for a yellow iPhone case, not for the black one, as they are in the states. So it all matters, and you have to do the keyword research for each marketplace separately. And I cannot stress how much importance this have this has. Um, Yana, I love, love, love what you're talking about today. We talk about creating 
Moffie offers, which is an offer that cannot be refused because it's so good. And, and a big component of that is speaking directly to your target. But you can't speak directly to your target if you're trying to sell them a baby diaper and you're using the word for an adult diaper. So it has to be in the right dialect. It has to be in the local um, native language. Um, I love it so much. But, Yana, we are um, running out of time here quickly. Um, I'd love to bring you back on a webinar here soon. But first, I need I have uh, three fun questions that we'll go through really quickly. Um, first and foremost, Yana, I know you didn't plan to be in business, but you are. Do you have any favorite business books? Um, favorite business books. I like Many Habits. That helped me a lot. Many Habits. I forgot right. the writer. Yeah, it's like it's not Atomic Habits. It's called Many Habits. Okay. Uh, it's um, I forgot um, the author's name, but that really was a big game changer for me because I tend to like do a lot of things at the same time. I multitask a lot, but then I end up not doing many things, yeah. you know, like all that ADHD and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was really a big changer for me is that I always could have felt like I need to make a major change. I need to, you know, like it's like when people say like, I need to lose like 50 pounds in six months and like, that's it. Let's, let's do it. And then, so I always make like whatever, like, you know, like I set my, the goal and the goals are always like ridiculously difficult and I'm most likely going to fail. So what this book teaches you is that like taking like small steps, like changing your life, like ba in like baby steps. It's like literally like when you say, okay, this week I'm going to read 20 pages of a book every single day and I'm going to, you know, finish three books in a month. So what this book teaches you is that you say like, okay, how, how much can I do, uh, uh, that it does not uh, affect me in any way that it's kind of difficult for me to do. So yeah. for me, it was like, let's say reading a, reading a book, but you have to do it every day. So the persistency is the key to everything, of course, business, yeah. especially. So what I started doing is like, I, I wrote, I, I, I read one page a day because I'm like, Am I going to like, is it going to be like an extra effort for me? No. Uh, is it going to spend a lot of time doing this? No. Is it going to be like a very uncomfortable for me to do this? No. I can do it any, anywhere. So yeah. I literally would just like open this book, read one page and that's it. Zero effort. I don't feel like I broke a sweat for doing something like that. I so the mini habits is something that I've kind of want. Uh, yeah, I've incorporated it into my life a lot. Uh, it can be, you know, like drinking like half a glass of the water more each day or like reading one page of the book or like one push up doesn't really matter. But it will make difference in the long run because it has made a big difference for me because now three months later after I've incorporated this uh, three months later, I now can say like, wow, I've actually read two books. It's not in a month, but mm -hmm. I've actually made it happen because usually I start a lot of things that I never finish them. And then six months later, you're like back to the drawing board. You're like, man, now I'm going to be successful. But you always put these like crazy, ridiculous goals that you're never going to achieve. And <laughs> then you kind of somehow know that you're not going to achieve them. So you don't you, you don't, try don't try that hard yeah. or you try too much and it doesn't do anything for you. So mini habits is like my, my best recommendation I can give to anyone. That's probably one of the best and the, actually the most practical books I've ever read. Amazing. Anna. I really, really enjoyed um, today's podcast episode with you. I can't wait to have you back on our webinar. Um, the last question that we have time for today is where can people find out more about you? 
So I'm very active on LinkedIn. So um, guys, feel free to add me there. I share a lot of uh, updates, uh, uh, case studies, um, like a bunch of videos just talking about international expansion, e-commerce in general, how to get ahead of your competitors. I love talking about keywords, all the strategies that, that, that we're using. So a bunch of really good content. So I think that LinkedIn is the best place um, to reach out as well. I'm basically online there basically whole day. Uh, <laughs> or if you, if you guys want, you can hit me up and send me an email at uh, jana at wildt-translations.com. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much, Yana, and um, look forward to hosting you very soon. This has been another episode of the Post Purchase Podcast. Thanks again, Yana. Thank you. Bye.